So welcome to The Expert Edge. Uh, today, I've got a really special guest. Uh, he is a guy who I have been going to and looking to in terms of advisory uh, direction for building wealth in our life for a number of years now. And uh, his name's Mel Abraham. And this is the thing, is that uh, there are some people, I think, in this expert industry who are very much focused on income generation. And that's great. Uh, I think income is a core part of running a business. Obviously, if you don't have income, then you don't really have a business, <laughs> right? So it's obviously a core part of the business. However, I haven't found anyone who I really trust in building wealth creation beyond making income. Now, Mel is the guy that I go to for that specific area. And so today's conversation is actually a really important one because I think that it's a great thing to make money in your business because that's what actually makes it a business. But if you don't know how to use the money correctly, properly, and effectively, then you're going to actually end up with nothing left. Most people go through their whole life and they might run a business, but don't actually build the habits, the philosophy, and the strategies to build uh, true wealth and assets and peace of mind financially. And that is why this conversation today is so important. Now, I have been, and Mel kind of talks about it, I've been on Mel's back for a number of years to build a program around his learnings that have just come from his entire life. Like he's literally, he is the Swiss army knife of anything building wealth and building legacy in your life. And so you are about to hear a true master when it comes to building a life worth living and building a legacy with integrity and building true wealth. And what I love about Mel as well is like he lives a great lifestyle. He's literally, he's, you know, a couple of miles down the road from me. He's in Laguna Beach. He lives right on the beach. He has a great, a great, uh, amazing lifestyle. Uh, he's beautiful wife Stephanie he's got he's just about to become a, a a grandfather you know he's built this life but he's also in this stage of 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 real contribution on just a whole nother level and you'll feel that in the podcast today and so guys buckle up because this podcast my hope for it is to truly change your life and to make a true impact on it and if you find it valuable, once again, please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, let us know what was most helpful from Mel's session today, because uh, I think it's going to really shift the way you think about building your life and building wealth and assets in your business beyond just making income. And so without any further ado, let's get into it, a conversation about wealth creation with Mel Abraham. Uh -huh. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Mel Abraham, welcome to the Expert Edge, brother. It's great to have you here. Colin, so good to be here, man. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, absolutely. Now, this has been long in the pipeline. I think we've known each other for over four, four, maybe almost five years now. And uh, 
you know, to be really frank, like you are one of the people that I go to in running my expert business to get some advice, but even more than that, just building a great life. Yeah. And yeah, I was thinking about this prior and I hope you take this as an absolute, uh, <laughs> you know, great, great thing is, but you are literally like a, you are a grandfather of the expert industry. Like you are the sensei. You are like the wise one that I think leaders in the industry has been, have been going to for a long time. You are like, you're oh a lot of the time, you're the confidant that people go to when they're like, Mel, I'm in the crap or like things are not going well. Can you help me out here? So I am so excited to have you on here. And I know that you're about to become a grandfather, right? I, four weeks away, dude. <laughs> dude I'm, I'm going to be granddad Mel. Granddad Mel. So <laughs> maybe that's the first time other than maybe Cammy calling you a granddad. The, the first granddad interview yeah, uh, when it gets released, which is going to be super exciting. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. good. Oh my god, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's, uh, it's going to be. She's going to be a little girl. They just gave us the name Emily, and uh, and so she's going to have me wrapped around her finger. I'm a deep, deep crap. Sorry oh, you are that. gone. <laughs> you are absolutely gone. <laughs> <laughs> everything's everything's a yes it's just like yes you can we can get you that we can we can work on that what worries me is actually stephanie my you know my wife yeah will now use her as her little kind of go, go, go get this from granddad i'm so done much. i'm history <laughs> you are history that is so good and and mate i mean you are just such a great guy and, and i think i always try to get people on the expert edge of people who live a, I think, a really integrate and holistic life where it's not just about just making money, but it's actually about building a life worth living. Yeah. And the topic of today is, is really all about building wealth, building generational wealth, legacy. And it's something that I know that you are an absolute expert in and have really stepped into that field, you know, just a whole nother level recently, which I'm excited about. And so the conversation that I wanted to have a chat about today to help with the listeners is, first of all, I, I want you to explain why did, why did this topic of building wealth become so important to you? Like what kind of, where was what some of those moments that got you started with this and realized the importance of it? You, you know, I, I think for me, it's always been at the top of my mind, how do you build not as much wealth. How do I, how do I build a liberated life? How do I build that? Even going back to my childhood, I remember my dad coming in one time, looking at my mom and then they were, they were, and I was probably five and a half years old, six years old. And my dad was in tears because my mom wanted to do something, but we couldn't do it. And he said, we really can't do it. And he felt like he just completely let down the family. And I, and that's probably my, one of my earliest money memories, if you will. But really where it started to come into play uh, that really took a, a whole nother level for me was in 2019. Um, I've always been a financial advisor. I'm a CPA by education. I've worked with people to build their businesses, do the things that we're doing. And, um, but I didn't, I took it for granted. I mean, I think we all take it for granted that I, I was on this financial journey of 30 plus years. And then in June of 2019, they, they came to me and I heard three words I never expected to hear, which is uh, you have cancer. I mean, they found a five centimeter tumor in my 
bladder that when they ultimately went in, it turned out to be seven and a half centimeters. And, uh, and so in that moment, I had to look at it and say, shoot, we, I got to fight this. I got to fight the cancer medically, physically, energetically, emotionally, psychologically, all of those things. But what I didn't have to fight was I didn't have to fight the cancer financially. I, I realized that that I didn't have that added stress and I had the luxury and, and, and privilege, if you will, to allow me to say, let me step away from my business because of the way I ran my, my business and let me focus on my healing without sacrificing my life. I wasn't draining savings. I wasn't selling things. Heck, if I was, I didn't sell my, 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 my wife's shoes. I mean, that would have been worse than the cancer. Um, you know, but the fact is, is that, that that was in June of 2019. And then shortly after that, you know, as, as you know, the pandemic hit and I watched so many people, so many entrepreneurs, so many people in the expert space struggle and say, oh my God. And they were spending a lot of time in the would have, could have, should have, I should have listened. I should have done this. I should have had more in an emergency fund. I should have done that. And that's when I realized that what I was doing with my one-on-one -on -one clients is a more important conversation to have. And it's kind of what brought my whole life full circle and said, this is what I've been called to do. This is what I'm meant to do is to, to help entrepreneurs, to help experts understand the money side of their world. Because I truly, the, one of my core beliefs is that financial independence is a birthright. We just got out, we got to know how to claim it. And, uh, and so I think that's that's really what started to give rise to it. And folks like yourself who kept pushing me and saying, dude, dude, <laughs> yeah. why are you not teaching this? Why are you? I mean, we have conversations, but it's one on one. But yeah. he says, you know, the broader market. And, and I think that we have a financial pain in society that can be easily solved. It's a simple thing to solve. It may not be easy in the sense that there's work involved, but there's a simple solution. And it's not in media. It's not in the, our education system. It's not at home. It's it, we, we just need to understand the principles and the rules. What are some of the blocks that stop people starting this wealth creation journey? I think that um, there's probably two big, big blocks. And, and one of them, and one of the first ones is this, is that, that they say, well, when I start making money, mm then I'll start investing, then I'll start. But, but the greatest wealth building tool you have is time. And we, we think, and this is one of the things that I, you know, when people say, well, you know, saving for retirement, I said, stop calling it retirement because retirement's easy to put off. It's something down in the future. Well, well with me two months away from my 60th birthday, future comes really quickly. When's, it, when's your 60th? September 2nd. Oh, because mine's, I'm turning 40 on July 10. So dude, we've yeah. got two big birthdays. Damn, we've got, <laughs> we got the round numbers coming up. That's so good. So good. But yeah, so you've like, it's not retirement, which is too far away it, is the first one. That, it, yeah. So, and, and the realization is that the sooner you start your investing, the sooner you start mm. your building what I call your money machine. Okay. Because you're helping them build their business machine. Now we need to help them build a money machine. The sooner we get that money machine started, even if it's $10 a week, I don't care what it is. We just, the sooner we get it started, the sooner time works on your side. $50 a week, $200 a month over 30 years turns into $350,000 a year. 
if we do it right. The so that's that's the probably one of the first things is that we put it yeah. off. Yes, we put it off. And I'm and I'm guilty of that with even building our business. So I will get to the second one in a second. Yeah. Um, but I know for me, like I, I even know because when we were in Australia, you know, we'd built our business up and we were doing well and we started investing and, and so forth. And then we moved to the US and we're kind of in like firefighting mode of like, holy moly, we have to start our business entirely again. And then, um, but I still found myself going like, oh no, when we hit this amount, then we'll start investing. And I think that um, what, what happened in me was when I, when I came to you initially to need help with this, I just realized I just have to start. Like, it doesn't matter what level we're at. I'm just like, we just, because it's more a habit and a philosophy than even an income level. You, you hit the nail on the head. People, people will come to me and say, I've got a money problem. And what they, what they have is not a money problem. They have a money symptom. This, the symptom is the money issue. They have a behavior problem. They have a habit problem. Where we are, and this may be hard for some people to accept, but where you are financially today is based upon the decisions and choices you made in the past. Where you will be tomorrow is based on the decisions and choices we make today. And I'm not exempt. I made some bad decisions. I wiped out one third of my net worth in a Ponzi scheme because I made some stupid decisions. But if I let those decisions control everything, then my future wouldn't be where it is today. And so when we understand that it's more of a behavior problem, then we can start to do the behaviors differently, which will create something different. We start, that's why putting $10 away doesn't sound like a lot, but it's exercise in the behavioral muscle to get used to it. And just like you said, you sent me that text saying, I love this investing lifestyle. All of a sudden that muscle that you're exercising, mm -hmm. it's easier and you go, $10 this week, 20 next week, and we keep on going and growing. Mm. And I've found that myself, like since we've started reinvesting again, which we just started at the start of the year, and we've already been able to build a significant cash deposit, which has been cool, um, is that it just, once you see it start growing, it makes you really excited. Like I know for me, every single, every month I'm going, how much more can I invest so that I can continue to grow this. And it just creates, it actually creates peace. Like you, we talk about this idea of like, you know, having, you know, just find peace within yourself. And that is true. You, like yeah. you have to find peace within yourself. But I'll tell you what, there is something about having a solid amount of cash in the bank that gives you some financial peace. <laughs> it's so true. This is why I say return retirement is peace of mind, because I actually think that's what we're looking for. Because peace of mind is something we want today. Retirement is something we can put off till tomorrow. Mm. So right now it's peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what retirement is. That's, the, that's so true. So what's the second block? So the first block is, it's like, uh, would, would you say, I, I'm not earning enough money? Or yeah. I'll well, yeah. That, they, that, that I'll do it later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till I'm making money, more money. This and that. I'll yes. do, they put it off. Okay. Yes. The, the, second, the second block I think there's a second and a second and a half block, but I'm sure there block, is. I'm sure there's a feeble. <laughs> um, the second block is that I'm not good at it. Mm. Okay. So investing's complicated. Building wealth is complicated. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we're just, wealth building is a skill set that's a learnable skill set. We're just not taught it. See, too often our wealth building, our financial smarts are caught and not taught. In other words, that we get them from observation of the people around us, our parents, our friends, the things that the shows that we watch and those belief systems, those things come in, but we never, we never use our critical thinking to understand it and say, does this really make sense? And, and so we think it's complicated because the financial services industry, quite frankly, benefits from us thinking it's complicated because we become dependent on them. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't have to be complicated and anyone can learn it. Anyone can learn it. And so, so I think that it's a matter of us getting involved with it at a level where we're willing to, to be, what I say, I want you to be curious about your cash flow. I want you to be curious about your wealth. I want you to learn. I don't expect anyone to be a analytical uh, data wonk like me type of type of thing. I mean, I was raised in it because of my CPA side. I wasn't raised in it by my family because my, my dad wasn't good with investing and all that, but I learned it. And, and so I think it's that I'm not a numbers person or, or it's complicated. We need to, we need to dispel that because it's actually simple when you understand the principles and you use those principles on a regular basis. So can you share some principles about how people should start to think about investing? Yeah. So I think the first principle really is to understand that your actual income doesn't matter. <laughs> because a lot of people say, I need to make a lot of money to have a lot of money. There's a book out uh, by Chris Hogan tenth, uh, called Everyday Millionaire. They, they did a survey and an interview of 10,000 millionaires, 10,000. It's the biggest millionaire study out there. And, uh, and what the majority of those millionaires were wage earners. They weren't even entrepreneurs. Hmm. So they were teachers. They were accountants. They were, they were wage earners that were making, you know, between 60 and 150 or 200,000 a year. So they're, they're not, they're not like, I didn't, they didn't sell a company for millions, in other words. And the point, the, the point around that is that what we tend to believe is that the income is the driver of my wealth. But let's, let's look at different people. Let's look at Nicolas Cage, Michael Tyson, um, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, Michael Jackson. All these people made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And they all went broke. Some are still broke. Some are not alive, but some of them are still broke. Yeah. And so when we understand that it's not the income that creates the wealth, but rather how we use the income that's important, then we look at it differently. So what's important to get out of that is that it goes back to this thing that I need to take a slice of my income, every dollar that comes in and move it to an account that's going to build my money machine. And, and that's, what you're, that's what you're doing on an ongoing basis right now. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and that's what, what I'm doing. That's what uh, all, the, all the, the folks that I've worked with are doing is that when we make investing a priority in our life, we will then reallocate our money coming in, our income 
to create the money machine. So we have this asset base that's going to produce income. When I, when I stepped away from my business, I stepped away for basically two years and you watched me through this mm, We've been yeah, totally. together and, and you've been by my side. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The whole way uh, you and your, your, your beautiful bride. And, but what we had is I had this financial machine because I was shaving pieces off mm. and building the wealth and building that machine. And I said to my wealth guy, I go, Hey, turn the machine on, start spitting out cash. Mm. I wasn't actually spending down anything. The machine was like an AT ATM. So it was creating it, it was making its own income for me. I was living off of that income since the business wasn't producing much income. And I had a chance to live off of that without compromising my lifestyle. That's, but it was, it was the creation of that machine, not the income that I had that caused the wealth. So, so I don't care whether, whether it's forty thousand dollars you're making a year, 20,000, 30,000, 140, 240, doesn't matter because there's plenty of people that make millions and have nothing to show mm -hmm. for it. And mm -hmm. they couldn't retire tomorrow because they're living a Facebook facade life. They're it, buying stuff, doing and, things. And I'm hearing, cause it comes back to, to your philosophy and your habits. So, yeah. cause you, cause you could earn a million dollars a year and spend $1.2 million a year and be in the crapper. Yes. Um, you'd have some nice cars, but, but you'd be highly stressed. You wouldn't be peaceful. Uh, and so it's very much like this habit thing. I'm curious. So let's say, you know, most people who listen to this show are personal brands, experts, coaches, mm -hmm. et cetera, like yourself and I, uh, what, what sort of like advice or encouragement would you give to them? Because I would say majority of people wouldn't even be activating some sort of retirement fund or something yeah. like that. You know, they're just going, when I make enough money in my income, then I'll start investing. But what encouragement would you give them? Even if, let's say they're doing $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, right? What encouragement would you say to them to just get started, to build, to start building a habit? So, so this is a, a, a wonderful question. And I think that's an important one uh, to start no matter where you're at, age or stage of life. So the first thing I would do is, is go, you can go to an online bank. You can go to TD Ameritrade. Don't worry about the investments right now. Mm. All I want you to do, all I want you to do is get used to working out basically. Mm. So, so like a I'm high not, interest online bank cash yeah. account. So I was going to say, go to a high, high yield cash account. Now, high yield is, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's more than what your savings account is, but it's not like, that's not going to make you rich. It's still not above inflation. No, no. <laughs> it's pretty much like just below inflation. It, it's an accumulation account. Yes. And what it'll get you used to, trust me, when, we, when, when you look at this and you say, okay, let's assume you're making 50,000 a year. That's 4,000, roughly 4,000 a month. If we shaved, if we shaved $100 a month or $200 a month, you actually, maybe the first month you'll feel it, but the second month you probably won't. Mm. And so it becomes really important for you to start developing that habit because all of a sudden out of sight, out of mind. Now, so you get the high yield cash account and you set up an automatic electronic transfer. So every mm. month, every month, that $50, that $100, that $200 automatically transfers to that account. 
sight unseen. See, the mistake that a lot of people make with uh, investing is there's too much friction between them and the investment. The reason that that it's not really the reason, but it's these, the, the sub reason that they, they created these things called credit cards <laughs> is to remove the friction out of your buying decision. Think about it. If, if I told you for a week that you had to pop, pay for everything in cash, you had to count out the greenbacks, okay? And you get there and you, and you go to buy and you start to see that stack of cash you have going down, you start to really question, do I really want, do I really need it? Do I really want this? But mm -hmm. using, using a credit card, and in fact, now you can just tap and go, um, they remove that friction. So the, the, the critical evaluation of our buying decisions goes away. Well, we want to do that for our investing. I want to put as much friction in my buying decision as possible. And I want to take as little friction. Uh, I want to get as much friction out of my investing decision as possible. So we make it absolutely automatic and you never think about it. And a hundred, two hundred dollars a month at, when you start, it's going away. And literally in four or five months, you go, I didn't even feel that. Mm. I didn't realize that. Okay. It's so true. You acclimatize it to yeah. it because you acclimatize to what you're spending and then you acclimatize to what you're saving as well. Exactly. Because based on your advice, when we saw you initially, um, and, it, you know, that was the first thing I did, like straight away, you know, set that up within like a week, had it going automated, um, all that sort of stuff. And then what I love about like your advice around this is, is as well, like you don't see it. So it's not like something that you're looking at every day. It's in a different bank. So you're not actually physically looking going, I've got this amount of cash. I know for me, I forget I, I have no, I literally forget that I've got another account yeah. sitting there and I'm, and I'm going, okay, I'm running my business off this cash account, but really like I've got other cash sitting in a different account, but I just forget that I have it there. So I run it off the current lower, lower, lower amount. And it actually makes me run my business more efficiently, to be honest. It, it absolutely does. You know, Stephanie, she loves to bake. She's learned to bake all the, the stuff without, without grains, without dairy, without sugar, you know? And so she's got, she went and got this like, container this glass like display like would be in a bakery with these you know and it's so, like she's cooked these cookies and these cakes and she puts it in the container it's sitting up on the counter in the kitchen every freaking time i go by the damn thing there's this like pull to just grab a cookie and like before you know at the end of the day you ate 12 cookies and it's totally. the same thing with your money when it's sitting in the account burning a hole in your pocket and you just and you just, well, you know, the money's in the can. So you take it out of sight, out of mind. You never, you never grab a cookie. It's so true. Oh, that's so funny. I, I heard a random statistic the other day that they, they did an analysis of, um, you, you know, like investing accounts and so forth. And they said that the, the accounts that saw the greatest yield were either people who lost their password or died and forgot to close their account, like or oh their family God. didn't close. They were the they were the people who had the greatest return. Like so, they didn't touch it. All they did it was just automated. <laughs> they just let it roll. Password. They just let it roll, or they died. <laughs> Isn't that just like fascinating? 
Yeah. Oh, so, so I'm, I'm curious about, cause this is the thing is running an expert business. I've been running mine for about 13 years now. And I think that it's very easy to get into that philosophy of going, I've just got to make more income. I've got to make more yeah. income. Now, obviously that is important. And there is definitely an income level. I've experienced it in our business where you kind of like, you get, you do get more cushion as long as you, as long as you're running your business well and you run it, you know, you're watching your expenses, you definitely get more cushion to be able to invest and to allocate more, more. Like I totally get that, but there is still this pattern of, of like you, you kind of forget about investing because you're so focused on where's the next lead coming from? Where's the next sale coming from? And, and it's quite addictive to kind of like, I know for me, I like, I love making sales like every day or every other day. I'm like always focused on that, but I kind of didn't put my energy on that long-term thing. How do people make that shift in their mindset to go, okay, you know, I'm building my business, but I also like, how do you, how do you personally get people hooked into their future more? Um, I think part of it is really understanding, especially in this expert business, because it's hugely, it's even more important in this type of business. The, the challenge with this type of business, an expert business, is that you are a personal brand mm. and that we can become what I call a treadmill entrepreneur really rapidly. Mm. And the only way you believe that you can be more, have more, create more is to do more. So you run faster, you run harder, you run longer on the treadmill. And the problem with that is sooner or later, you hit burnout or breakdown. The other side of that is that now I've, <laughs> no one's going to want to hang out with me. I've had plenty of accidents in my time. I had a bike accident um, that took me out. I, you know, I had, uh, but what I realized early on in my career as a CPA was that If I wasn't running on the treadmill, I wasn't making money. But more importantly, what I was creating in my business wasn't sellable. So once I stepped off the treadmill, everything stopped. Yeah. And I would end up with nothing. And so if I wanted to create a present lifestyle and a future lifestyle, the only way to do it is to make sure that I'm using my present income to fund both. And so that's where I start to look at it because one of the things and how, how a lot of people will start to get hooked is when you have that realization that I had nothing that's sellable. Most, most personal brands are not sellable. Some can be. Okay. Yeah, it's very but rare, Bob. Very rare. And, um, and so when you realize I have nothing that's sellable, and the only thing I have is the income that's coming in to build my future, my family's future, my children, my, my spouse, um, all of that. Then if you're spending it all, what's your future look like? Hmm. Are you going to be living in a, in a home? How are you going to live on social security? What are you, what are you going to do? Because you are now tasked, especially as an entrepreneur and a personal brand entrepreneur, you are now tasked with the requirement and the responsibility to care for your loved ones, care for your family today, but also tomorrow. And even in likelihood, once you're gone, I look, 
I got, I now have a grandchild coming in the world. Mm-hmm. I got a whole nother generation of Abrahams. Some people will go, oh my gosh, the Abrahams are going to continue. So, but the other thing is to realize that there's another generation and at least another 80 years of Abrahams that I want to make sure is taken care of, either with knowledge, skills, and, and, and mindsets, or also the, the, the wealth of the money to be able to, to do something good with it. I want, and, and so, so when we understand that and what the other side of it, the consequence is, I see so many, I mean, that, that are just, they got nothing to show for it. They've got no retirement, they've got no future, and they're dependent upon government and, and uh, other, other things. And they go, you worked 40, 50, 60 years of your life, and this is where we end up. And I don't mean this in any insulting way, but, I'm, but why, why I say it in that, in that way with some disdain is it's solvable. Mm. It's fixable. We just got to pay attention to it and, and then ask ourselves, was, was the, the little, the, the $100 or $200 purchase, was it really that important at the time? How many things have we bought, including myself, mm. that was really fun for a day? or a week or a month. And then it's sitting, you know, in the garage. Or in the closet. <laughs> yes, so true. And when you take that number and start to look at, I mean, let's do some math just for sake, because I'm an accountant and it mm. brings joy to my heart to do math, but let's just look at it. And, you know, we said that $200 a, a, a month can turn into 300,000 and said, we had we had someone, I don't know if you were in the room when she asked this question, you might've been, she, she asked this question. She says, I want to get a, I want to get a new office. And uh, I said, great. And she goes, how, but I don't know if I should. And I said, how much does the office cost? She goes, 2000 bucks a month. So she's going to pay $24,000 a year for a new office. I said, great. I said, why do you want the new office? She goes, it's right over the beach. And I can see the beach. I said, do you need a new office? And she says, no. I said, then why would you spend 2000 She goes, I can afford it. I said, there's where the problem is. See, she saw that decision as a $2,000 a month decision. 2000 I said, let's play the numbers. $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year. You have a five-year lease on the deal. Let's call it 24000 for five years. Round it up as 100 grand. Yeah. It's going to cost you 100 grand for you to have a view of the beach for five years. Now you might renew the lease and it might go another five years, but let's just do do that. If we took that $2,000 a month and put it away and invested it, it would turn into $1.2 million. I said, the problem is, is that you're looking at this as a $2,000 decision. In how how long? How long? It would have been 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. So 25 years turns into $1.2 million. So, so you look at the decision and say, when you start to look at it, it's, it's the payment game. It's just like the lack of friction. It's why they did installment plans. It's why they did layaways, all of those things to remove friction. And you say, well, I can afford the $2,000. I said, the problem is I don't see it as a $2,000 decision. I see it as a million dollar decision. And so when we look at it in that construct, you start to look at it differently. You can do the same thing with your cable bill. If you're not using it, we just changed our cable. We went from yeah, we, cable. We don't have cable. We went to <laughs> I YouTube don't watch TV. any TV. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, 
And but there's how many little subscriptions do you have right now that you probably don't use and you have them just in case. And if we took all those things, added it up and started investing and are putting it in a cash account, all of a sudden over time, you have a nest egg building and the Mm -hmm. momentum of time with money is huge. That's so true. I mean, I feel like I have a look through my credit card statement at least every month. And there's all those those little investments uh, or little uh, you know subscriptions, and I feel like I'm I'm pretty hardcore with them. Even if they're like twenty five dollars, I'm like, what the hell am I paying twenty five dollars a month for this thing? I'm not even using it. And then and then I'll get my team to like reorganize it so we I don't have to pay it anymore and stuff like that. Um, but I yeah. So like, what are your thoughts on costs? Like it, it kind of started to come out then, but like. In terms of your philosophy of like running your business, how do you view costs and investments and all that sort of stuff? Like in terms of growing and scaling as well, like does it matter what time, what, what, where your business is at? Uh, because I know for me, when I first started, my coaching diploma was 15 grand. I put it all on credit card. It was one of the best investments I've ever made in my life. It was all on credit card, 15 grand. And anyone with, you know, in their right mind would probably say that was stupid, but yeah. it's paid off, you know, in spades. So let me ask you something, because this is a really important question. Um, if you would have paid that 15 grand, put it on credit cards and not done the work, would it have been a good investment? No. Okay. So, so there are, there are costs that are truly just expenses, you know, um, that, that you might, you know, I might need some, some paper to print things. I'm, you know, those kinds of things that they're just expenses, but then there's those things that I call ROI expenses that, that, that they're actually an investment. They're an investment to, to additional income, to additional growth, to additional scale, those kinds of things. So that's yeah. like joining a program, a course, a mastermind, as long as you're engaged in it. Yeah. So there's two kinds of them. There is, mm-hmm. there's, let's just look at like, for instance, Facebook ads. Yes. That the expert and people freak out going, Hey, I don't want to put, I don't want to lose money on ads. Okay. That sounds like someone going to the slot machine in Vegas and going, I don't want to lose money. Facebook ads aren't a slot machine. They're a data machine. You you manage it and, and done right, you put a dollar in and you'll get a multiple of dollars out if it's done right. Yeah. And you have the ability to shut it off. So to me, it's, it's an ROI expense. And, you know, when they say the whole idea of how much would you spend, what's your budget for, for, for ads? I go, as long as it's cash flowing, ain't no budget. Let's keep rocking mm. and rolling. Let's keep mm. doing it. Then there's the, the, the second type of ROI expenses, which is what you're talking about that isn't an automatic, it isn't a, mm. a automatic multiple. It requires you to show up. And so it could be hiring someone. It could be going into a program. If you're hiring someone, you say, why am I hiring someone? Because it's gonna give me 10 hours more a week to do revenue generating activities. Well, great. Then it makes sense if, you use those 10 hours to do revenue generating activities. If you go off and are surfing and, and doing what and biking or just watching TV because you got extra 10 hours, it's a horrible investment because there's no ROI. And you, you made the investment based on the rules of 
I get 10 hours more a week. I'm going to use that to generate more revenue, but you didn't follow the rules. You didn't follow what you set up at the beginning. So mm. things like a program, things like a mastermind, things like a coaching process, it actually, it's most of those. And I've been through a lot of them. I'm still in a lot of them. Mm. You don't get a return on investment until you actually put the effort in the yeah. execution in. So you can get what you want out of it by how much you put into it. So if you're going to make a $15,000 investment, a $20,000 investment, then make sure that you're willing to not only make the financial investment, but the personal investment to guarantee that you get a multiple out of it. Then it makes sense. Personal growth, professional development, investing in ourselves is one of the greatest investments you can make if you do it right. Mm. Mm. Now that's really good. So, okay. So there's like ROI um, expenses. There is, uh, and, and it depends on some of them you have to work on. Some of them just happen automatically like a Facebook ad or something yep. like that. Um, and then there's like bad expenses kind of thing. <laughs> Is there or, or there's just, just straight, just, just standard expenses like you, paper got, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You've got regular expenses and then you've got, a, yeah. you've got, you know, kind of fat expenses where, you know, you're <laughs> buying, you're, you're doing, you're doing stuff that, that you can because you got mm. the cash flow right now, but mm. is it really making a difference? Mm. Now, let me be clear. Cause I, I don't want anyone, everyone to think, Oh my God, Mel's such a miser. Don't spend money. Don't spend money. You know, my lifestyle. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not. You live on the beach in Laguna. Yeah. In an incredible house. You drive a great car. Like, yeah. You know, like, absolutely. And that's why I wanted you on here because it's like, I know that you're big on, you know, managing your expenses, investing, all that sort of stuff, but you've built an amazing lifestyle as well. So t tell me, tell me your philosophy on this. I'd love to know. So I, the philosophy is, I think knowledge is, is a powerful tool in the sense of, I'll, I will never, the people that I, that I work with and in, in fact, even you, unless you outright say, should I, shouldn't I? I usually never say, don't buy something. Don't, don't do this. Mm. Unless I think it's actually absolutely dangerous. I go, this thing could hurt. I made these, these mistakes. Do not do it. What I do want, what I, my biggest desire is that everyone will make their financial decisions fully aware, fully conscious, and fully intentional. So if you turn around and go, hey, if, if that, that gal that asked the $2,000 a month rent question now knows 2,000 could be a million dollars, I'm gonna be there five years, I'm doing it just to get a view of the beach and she's conscious, she's aware and she's intentional, more power to her. She, then she made a fully informed decision. But most of the time when we make our decisions, we don't understand the down the road consequences of them. Mm. And so- my philosophy is to look at things and say, would I be happy with this choice 10 minutes from now, a year from now, five years from now? Does it make sense? Hmm. And, and if I am, because then, then great. Like Steph and I, when, when we travel, I mean, People will go, oh my gosh, but we travel, we traveled a fair amount when we, when we could, and we're yeah, going to yeah. go back to it, but, but we would travel, we trip a, typically travel first class. Mm. It's, it's for us, it's one of the choices that we absolutely made because our, our desire as a couple is to create 
these these experiences together. Mm. And if we're going to spend a fair amount of money in travel, we want to travel in comfort. And so we do that. Now, some people would say that's a lot of money wasted. Maybe. But you design your life the way you want it. And if I was going into debt, if I was slapping it on a credit card, could not paying the credit cards off and the credit cards were going up and I was and I was barely making bills, totally different conversation. But when we have things arranged right and you have that ability, you make a conscious choice to say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that. So I don't want people to strip away their luxuries and their desires as long as they do it responsibly. I'm curious about, let's say someone has started investing, right? Maybe they've started buying stock or maybe they've bought one property or like they're starting to get some momentum. What, what are you generally, you know, are there like, t- talk to us about the levels of growth in, in um, affluence and in wealth. Like how do you keep going up the scale to, to keep building assets and so forth? So the interesting thing is that your wealth building is like a stalled car. It's, it's the hardest to get it moving. But once it's moving, it's easy to navigate. It's easy to maneuver. And so your first $100,000 is the hardest $100,000 you're going to save. And once you cross that threshold, Mm. there's a couple things that actually work in your favor. You've built the muscle Mm. to create, uh, to, to have that investing as a priority in your lifestyle. Two, you now have this, this amount, this balance that actually is going to grow for you because you have it invested and now it's growing on its own. The market has grown, gone up, gone up uh, 12.5% or so roughly just in the first six months of this year. Now, could it go down 12.5%? Absolutely. That's why we look at a long-term view over the long-term and say, we're in it for the long-term. But my, my point is, is that if I have $100,000 and the market goes up 12.5%, I didn't do anything. And now the 100000 is now worth 112000 And so now you look at it and go, oh, see, the key is this. You're working for your money right now. But the key is to get your money to work harder for you than you did for it. And when you do that, things shift, things change. And so that's one part of it. The other part of it is, and I had this, this when I had my bike accident, I had a, a mountain bike accident and I had, uh, had a four, uh, grade four concussion and I couldn't feel anything on the right side. And, and a dear, dear friend who had retired at age 36, he comes over and he says, I'm taking you to lunch. And like, I'm in this neck brace and I'm, you know, I look like hell. And he looked at me and he says, how much is enough? And I go, I don't understand the question. He says, how much is enough? He says, the reason you got in a bike accident is because you weren't paying attention. You you were stressed out. You were running too fast and you didn't pay attention to details. And that's what caused the accident because you don't know where your finish line is and you don't know what enough is. And I go, ah, shoot, you're right. And so one of the things that I think we need to do is to get a... A lot of financial planners, they do income-based planning. They figure out, hey, you're making 60 grand. We got to replace the 60 grand. And that's cool. 
But here's the problem. If the 60 grand doesn't fund the lifestyle you truly want, then why are we going for 60? Could be 40, could be 80. We need to do lifestyle planning and figure out the price tag on the lifestyle. And then in the lifestyle plan, we got to figure out why it's so doggone important to you to do that. Because if it's important to you, then you'll continue to do it. So you're not just using money for, as the target. It's, there is a higher purpose. There's a higher reason for that. Money is a, money is a result. It's not a purpose. Hmm. And so building wealth for wealth, and I have a, a, some friends, not friends, they're acquaintances because I, I don't buy into their value system. They're extremely wealthy, you know, 200, 300 million dollars, but they're only happy when they're in a conquest. They're only happy in the, in, the, in the race and the chase and everything. Their life, their health is miserable. Their marriage and the relationship is miserable. All of that is there, but their bank accounts look beautiful, you know, but from the outside, if you, you, you look at them, they go, they got nice cars, they got nice houses, they got planes, it looks great. But from the inside, it's a horrible mess. That's not richness. I want richness in life. I want the life where I'm sharing it with my, with my wife and my kids and my soon-to-be grandchild, you know, and, and, and my friends to, to be able to share those experiences. So, so uh, we get to a, a point where we're looking at things and go, my life is rich because of what I felt, because of what I experienced and not because of the commas in the bank account. Mm-hmm. And so I think we stay in tune with it because we have our why in place for doing it. And I think that, you know, like this building, this muscle of wealth creation and, and then, and then, and, you know, getting your costs, you know, your expenses under control, being aware of that and which, which results in peace, a peace of mind, which then results in you enjoying your life, being more present, you know, not being similar to your experience of like getting distracted, getting overwhelmed, yeah. you, you're more present. Um, like it, I can see how it just creates a richer life. Yeah. So in terms of when you talk about like, you know, let's say your income goal is $80,000 a year. What is that? Give me some practical examples. Cause I feel like finances is quite conceptual to a lot of people. But give me some examples of like, what does that mean? Let's say, on you know, we're in retirement and we're living on 80 grand a year. What does that actually mean? Does that mean we have, you know, $4 million in a investment account and then we're drawing down on that? Or like, what does that practically look like? So this is very generic in the way you do it. Yeah. In the way you could do it. But if you say that you're... you're um... And I actually have a tool that we can link up to if they want yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the wealth lifestyle uh, calculator. But the, the, uh, if you just look at, I need $80,000, $40,000, whatever that number is, there's a, there's a general rule of thumb. And it's strictly a rule of thumb that you multiply that number by 25. And that gives you the, the investment pool you need. So hmm. if I look at, uh, I want a hundred thousand or I want uh, $50,000 multiply it by 25. You know, that puts you at two, you know, somewhere around 2 million bucks. So I need a $2 million portfolio. And if I take 4% of that $2 million, actually it's going to be less than 2 million because 4% of 2 million is going to be 80,000 a year. Hmm. 
Now the 2 million stays there. You take 80,000 out. You live on the 80,000. That's your lifestyle. Taking 4% out. Still there. Taking 4% out. Taking 4% out. Now I will do things at 5%. I'll do things at 6%. It just depends on the lifestyle and the kind of investments. Mm. But I'd rather you do your plan on a conservative basis, the lower the percentage and, and, and do that, make it work on a conservative basis. And if you end up more, like if you overshoot your numbers, great, mm. you're good. That's cool. No, that's really great. That, that, that's what I was curious about. Cause I feel like, I mean, I feel like I didn't get educated in this growing up, you know, and it was such a conceptual idea. Yeah. So that that's really helpful. I think for a lot of people that'd be really helpful just to understand that what that actually means. Um, so that's, no, that's really great. So um, I'm curious, cause I know that, you know, I had been encouraging you for a little while about uh, releasing a program about building affluence and building a life worth living, which really specifically is around wealth creation and wealth is in like, yes, having an amazing lifestyle in terms of all the things in your life, but also like actually focusing on money, like, yeah. And building true, like money wealth. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to us about, cause I know your affluence blueprint, which you recently, you know, opened up for the first time. Talk to me about the philosophy behind you building Affluence Blueprint and and what that was about, what that's about for you, this new legacy that you're building. For me, is this this realization that, especially for entrepreneurs, is that your money and your entrepreneurship have to intersect. There, there's a there's three things that overlap: your entrepreneurship, yep. your purpose, and your money. So, so your money, your purpose, and your entrepreneurship need to intersect to allow, allow us. Now, the problem is that most financial planners look at the money side, but they don't in integrate it with the business side. But when I know that I have the ability to talk to an entrepreneur and say, hey, we can scale, we can tweak your business. So we get this additional income out and that additional income drops right to your portfolio, which creates the wealth. Now, all of a sudden, it, it's this holistic view. Um, I, I think that the other side of that, and so this is why I started to really bring this about. It, it's different in, in a sense of the kind of things that I look at is not the isolation of the money and the, and the wealth building and the investments, but the holistic view of life, money, business together, and how they create. I, I look at there's three critical outcomes for a, what I call an affluent entrepreneur. They have a richer lifestyle, that, mm. that feeling, that experience, like we talked about, mm. they have a deeper impact. They, and, and when we talk about deeper impact, the impact that we do when we are experts and put our knowledge out, there's one thing, but there's two other impacts we don't talk about. It's the impact to those that are standing by our side, our loved ones, our family. And, and if we are, if we're intentional with that, that impact, that's, that's one thing, but more importantly, to have all that impact in place, the deeper impact is the impact you have with the, the man or the woman in the mirror, hmm. the person that you become in the process through the behaviors that you create, because my ability to transfer the knowledge, the experience, the philosophy to my son, who's my son's 31 years old. His wife's 20, just turned 28 years old. They're going to have their first child. Here they are at 31 and 28 with, with three homes, 
and a multi-million dollar net worth already. Mm. Okay. Yeah. To me, you want to talk about peace of mind? I don't have to worry about my kids. I actually don't have to worry about my granddaughter either. <laughs> so good, so okay. Good. So that that's, mm. that's to me the deeper impact. And then the other side of that is complete freedom. The, the third critical outcome is complete freedom. We talk about, I want financial freedom, but that's the most elementary freedom we could deal with. I think we, beyond the financial freedom, we actually want time freedom, mm. which is much more valuable. Listen, when, I'm sure when Sarah went through it and you went through it, mm. when I went through the cancer and I realized, oh my God, time actually is limited. That became the most valuable commodity to me. And so I want, I want the freedom to decide who, what, where, how I'm gonna spend my days, how I'm gonna spend my hours, my minutes and have the freedom to say no, say yes. And then the third freedom in there is mind freedom. To know that my mind is free. I'm doing the right thing for the right reasons and I'm at peace. And I said, so that to me is, is the lifestyle of an affluent entrepreneur. And that's what I want to get at. And, and the whole purpose behind the affluence blueprint is to, to use the financial models and to simplify and get rid of all the complexity that seems to be out in the world and say, look, let's just do some math. It's easy math. I'll help you with it. And let's just get the muscles working, create the habits and make it rock and roll. Yeah, I love that. And that's the reason why I came to you, you know, initially, this was before you'd created the affluence blueprint. I was like, I know you've got the answers inside of your brain. And so, so I need to extract something out of that. And I love that you've actually put it in a easy to use process now in the affluence blueprint. So, so as we close out now, I'm curious, like if people want to, you know, they they hear this and they're like, I, I need to think like Mel, I'm running my expert business, I'm building leads, I'm building income, but I need to start, I actually need to make this decision because that's what it is. It's, it's, you just have got to make a decision to go, I need to start investing and start really building, looking forward. What's First of all, what's the best place to connect to just get more kind of info from you and connect with you? Probably your podcast, which yeah, is the show. Affluent, Affluent Entrepreneur Show. Uh, and but if they want to find out about the affluence blueprint and when it opens up again, where's the best place for that? For them to find uh, out the best that? the best place it would be just on my website melabraham.com because all the information's there, uh, and 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 then we'll we can get you get you whatever information. You know, yep. the other side of it is uh, hit me up on Facebook, hit me up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm on the DMs. Uh, I don't. I have not yet done the dance moves that you do, Colin. I'm going to have to work on those. Um, I'll run a private session with you. There you go. We can do one together, you know? <laughs> That'd be good. We definitely need to do uh, You know, uh, so, so I, and, and I'd love to hear from you. The other yeah. side of that is the show is important because, because part of the show is for us, for me to answer questions. So mm. uh, like I just did, just shot an episode answering audience questions and, mm. And in some cases, I want to bring audience members on live and coach them live. So, so that's good. a really good place to, to connect with me and, yeah. and do that. I, I truly believe that we all are entitled to financial independence. We just need to understand how to claim it and get it. And, uh, and if I can help clear the path a little bit of understanding, mm -hmm. then uh, that's, that's what I feel like I'm called to do right now. So good. Well, and, and for those of you who, you know, you've been listening to me for a while and you trust me, I want you to know that I trust Mel 
And so if you want to learn how to build wealth, like beyond your expert business and actually build a legacy, go to Mel. Like, and so go to his website, listen to his podcast because hand on heart, like he's the guy I go to. And so that's my encouragement for you. Mel, imagine it is literally the end of your life and people are standing around talking, talking about you, uh, talking about the impact that you've made on, on their life. You've got family, friends, people that have loved you. What would you hope that they would say about you? It's something that, um, that I actually learned from my dad. You know, my dad was uh, uh, being hunted down in his birth country. Um, and he was a 17 years old. And, and I, I remember four days before he passed away, I said, why would you do that? If they had caught you, they would have hung you in the square. But he was, he was helping people get out of, the, out, out of the persecution and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and he looked at me as he sat in the wheelchair and he says, because it was the right thing to do. And, and, I, and I think for me, what drives me is, is knowing that I'm doing the right thing, that I made a difference, that, that I lived with integrity and that people's lives were touched better and for what I, I brought to the world. And, and especially in this financial game, I know that the ripple effect is generational and then uh, I know that it mattered. <laughs> so good well mel you've already made that impact with me and i appreciate and love you brother so thanks for coming on the expert edge podcast and i know that the uh the listeners would would have just loved that and they'll connect with you more so thanks brother thank you brother why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients if you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.